thank Dr. Greenfield for leading us in prayer. If I could turn your attention to the Psalm 20. Psalm 20. Let's read the word of God together. Psalm 20. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Let's hear God's word. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice. Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some on horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the King hear us when we call. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. We're especially delighted tonight to be able to welcome amongst us our sister Kira Arnold. And we're going to ask Kira to come now and minister to us. Thank you, Kira. Um, I just want to start by thanking the Reverend McLaughlin for inviting me here tonight um, to share my testimony. Um, and I know a few of you in here do know who I am, but for those who don't, um, I'll start by telling you a little bit about myself. Um, so my name is Kira Arnold, and before I was married, my name was Kira Beatty. I am 25 years old, and I grew up outside Kells, um, with my mum, dad and three brothers. I'm the second oldest in my family and I have an older brother, John, who is 30 years old. Um, and at the age of three, my mum and dad adopted John into our family. My mum and dad had met, um, my mum had met John while, we was, while she was working with special needs children um, in Belfast. Um, John has severe autism, which means he's totally dependent on everyone around him for everyday needs. Um, three years later then I was born, and then I have two younger brothers, Joe, Ethan, who is 23, I think, and Joey, who's 19. Um, growing up with three brothers, I was pretty used to the rough and tumble of everyday life with them, I suppose. And if, if, if as well, with John as well, if there was any messing about, I suppose, if they were hitting or kicking, they got it straight back. Um, we had a happy childhood and done all the normal things that most children would be doing. Um, and we never really had anything over, overly unusual happen, and everything in life seemed to be pretty straightforward. I attended a little country primary school not far from our house called Kernats, and after that I then moved to Cambridge House Grammar School in Ballymena, where I stayed to complete my GCSEs. And they always say school is the best years of your life, but I definitely would disagree, and I couldn't wait to get left school. And the only thing I thought it was good for was a bit of crack. Um, so growing up with my older brother John, I gained an early experience um, of special needs. So I knew when I left school, I would like a job and a career um, with children with special needs. 
So I went on to study childcare in the tech in Ballymena for two years, and after that I started working in Castle Tower Special School in Ballymena. Um, and I worked there for two to three years as a classroom assistant, and then I got a permanent job in Riverside School in Antrim. And what made this even more special was this is the school John had attended previous years before that. This is now my fifth year working in Riverside, and I can't say um, that any two days are ever the same, and I totally love it. Um, growing up, I was brought to church each Sunday and attended uh, Sunday school at a church down the road from our house. I didn't always have a Christian upbringing as my mum and dad weren't saved till I was about nine. Um, and at this time, we then started attending Balamina Free Presbyterian Church. We were sent along to Sunday school and the Friday night meetings. And as I got older, I started attending the Youth Fellowship. In 2016, we began going to Antrim Free Presbyterian Church. And this is where we're still attending now. And I couldn't have asked for a better church family, especially over the past two years. The support and encouragement for everyone there has been nothing short of amazing. Through going to church and meetings, I grew up knowing my need for salvation and the importance of having a, a personal relationship with God. And when I was about 11, I remember standing out with my dad one night while he had, felt, he had lit what felt like a bonfire, but it was probably no bigger than a campfire that night. And as we stood watching the flames get bigger and hotter, he used it as a representation of hell and how if I wasn't saved, I would end up spending my eternity somewhere similar. He didn't scare me into getting saved, but he definitely just got me thinking and it made me realize that I didn't want to spend my eternity in hell. And it was that night that I knew I really needed to get right with God. And it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and it just gave me such a peace in my heart that night. As I started secondary school, I had a few Christian friends, but I was worried about fitting in. So to my shame, I wasn't great at letting others know that I was a Christian or that I went to church. And I was doing and saying things that I knew wouldn't have pleased the Lord, all just to try and fit in with what I thought was cool at the time. But although it looked like I was maybe having great fun, I knew deep down that I should have been taking my stand. And this really did bother me, but it continued uh, most of my way through secondary school. Outside school, I was still attending church and youth fellowship and going to youth camps over the summer, which I really enjoyed um, throughout my teenage years. If I was to give one piece of advice to any Christians who are starting maybe a new school or a new job, um, I would definitely say seek out your Christian company and take your stand from the beginning. And it's really not easy, but you will be blessed for it in the end. Um, during the year with the youth fellowship, we would attend youth rallies throughout the year. Um, where all the different youths would have got together on a Friday night. In March 2013, we headed to a youth rally in Macrofilt, and at the end of the meeting, um, a group of us uh, from Balamina went to talk to friends from Lisburn, who, had I, who I had met at summer camps um, a few years before. And standing in the middle of this group was a young Matthew Arnold, who before that night I had never met before. We didn't really talk that night, but I remembered, for, remembered him for his striking red hair and his funny personality and his infectious laugh. The following night, we then headed uh, to watch a movie for a friend's birthday. Um, and as we were waiting in the car park, I heard this loud music. And soon after, a guy came into the car park in a shining black Honda Civic, and it was none other than Matthew. We sat beside each other that night and got talking, so I suppose you could say that's really where it all began. I knew from the start that there was something different about Matthew, and the more we talked, the more I could see his amazing personality shine through. He was funny, witty, and he was just really great company to be around. And what topped it all off was that Matthew was a Christian too. Matthew was saved a young, uh, as a young boy at the age of six, and in April 2013, we started dating. 
From very early on, I knew that he was really going to be somebody special in my life. And to me, Matthew was the perfect guy, although I can't stand here and say that we were two perfect people because everyone in this room has their flaws and me and Matthew were exactly the same. But we worked so well together as we tried to keep each other going in the right direction and uh, for God. And Matthew was great um, encouragement to me in my Christian walk. We spent every weekend together, whether we headed out somewhere, stayed in, or even went to work. At the weekends and during the holidays, I was able to work with Matthew um, in his mum and dad's factory at the time, making desserts. Um, and I suppose when you're kids, you dream of working in a desserts factory, um, and you think you can eat while you work all day, but that's really not the case. And by the time you get a pair of green boots on and your white coat and a hairnet, it's not overly glamorous either. I am so grateful that me and Matthew were able to have this time to even spend together, even if we were supposed to be working. We were so lucky enough. Um, we were also lucky enough um, on the summer holidays each year that we were able to go away with my family, whether it was over to England or maybe even France. And we made some amazing and funny memories that will always last a lifetime. In April 2016, on our three-year anniversary, um, Matthew organised dinner and a walk around Portland Own Forest. Um, and little did I know this was the night he was going to get down on one knee. Um, so that night we got engaged and I couldn't wait to get home and tell my family. But little did I know Matthew had already asked my mum about three weeks before. Um, so they had a rough idea that it was happening. Once we had seen my mum and dad and let them know the big news. Um, <laughs> uh, Matthew's... <laughs> sorry. Not every day you get a child with pyjamas on her head. <laughs> um, so once we had seen my mum and dad, uh, we then headed down to Matthew's mum and dad to share the news. Um, and Matthew hadn't told his mum and dad a thing, so the excitement was priceless, and to see it all was just amazing. Um, the next two years then, we spent planning our wedding. Um, from getting our wee house, um, we bought our first home in Donna just a mile away from Matthew's brother Ford, his wife Nicky, and their three kids. We enjoyed every minute of choosing all the different decor and furniture, and it was like our first step into becoming proper adults. On Thursday the 26th of July 2018, we got married in Antrim Free Presbyterian Church, surrounded by our friends and family, and we really felt the presence of God throughout the service. The sun shone all day, and even some of the kids and staff from school came down to see us as we came out of the church, which was really special. Um, we then headed to Galgorm Resort uh, for our reception, and it was just the perfect day. Um, we felt, felt like such a dream, and I just couldn't believe that today, that day I was getting to marry my best friend. Um, the 26th of July is also the day I gained more amazing and godly family. I was blessed with Phyllis and Hartford as my mother and father-in-law, Ford and Nicky as my brother and sister-in-law, and not forgetting my crazy but perfect niece and nephews, Thomas, Daniel, and Emma. It all seemed so perfect. I had found the man of my dreams, and we were now married and thinking of all the things that would happen in the future. We always knew we would love a big family together, but unfortunately for us, it maybe wasn't going to be just as easy as we thought. To others from the outside looking in on our relationship, it may have looked perfect and that things were going great, and they were, but there was also a lot of tears and worrying that the one thing we had dreamed of together maybe wouldn't happen. At the age of 16, I was told that I would possibly struggle to have children, but I never really wanted to think about it too much um, until it became a bit of a hurdle. But Matthew was always a great person for reminding me that everything happens when it's supposed to, and God's timing is perfect. A year later, after some hospital appointments, 
and what seemed like endless prayer, we found out that we were expecting our very own little miracle. And our little bundle was going to be, uh, was going to be due on March 2020. We were over the moon and so thankful. We spent the nine months trying to figure out baby names, wondering would our baby be a wee boy or a wee girl? What colour would their hair or their eyes be? Would they grow up to be tall like Matthew or short like me? And we often talked about the things we couldn't wait to do when our little baby arrived. It wasn't long before uh, the new year arrived and this was the year 2020. We were so excited and this was going to be our year. The year, became, the year we became a family of three and the year we found out whether our baby would be a wee boy or a wee girl. We had decided on our names for a boy and a girl, although we were pretty set it was going to be a wee boy. 2020 was also the year that we had planned on moving to the bungalow just down the lane from Ford and Nicky. We were so excited and couldn't help um, think of all the days to come where our children could be playing with their cousins, racing quads or running up and down the lane. And it really just did seem all very, very perfect at the time. Um, as the weeks went on, we got closer and closer to the end of February. Um, and around the same time, uh, the talk of coronavirus started. Um, it started to spread more, but we still didn't think too much into it. Two weeks later, on a Wednesday morning, I had a check-up just to see um, how the baby was doing. And by the end of the appointment, I was told that they would like to see baby arriving sooner rather than later. And I was to keep an ear out for the phone um, over the next few days to go to Craigavon Hospital. Matthew arrived home that evening, and I told him that we could be meeting our wee baby um, soon. And it just all really did start to feel very real. So the next morning, the phone rang at half six, and it was the midwife ringing to say that they would like me into Craigavon Hospital for half ten. Um, I got off the phone, and Matthew just looked at me. Um, and I suppose we were thinking this could be the last morning that we woke up as Matthew and Kira and not Mummy and Daddy. We started getting ready and we made sure everything was in the car and made sure all the car seats were fitted properly and all the bags were packed. And as I was finishing up getting ready upstairs, I could hear the TV going downstairs. And Matthew, as laid back as could be, was sitting getting his last few rounds of Xbox in before we had to leave. Um, we, uh, we arrived at Craigavon Hospital shortly after 10 and after two days and many laps walked around the hospital on Saturday the 14th of March um, our little miracle arrived into the world and it was a wee girl, £7.13 of pure perfection and Eve Jean Arnold made our, feel, made our family feel complete. God had blessed us with the most perfect little gift. The same weekend Eve arrived, COVID-19 had also well and truly arrived. Sadly, we didn't get to experience what it was like to have visitors meeting our little baby as we weren't allowed any visitors in the hospital. So no grandparents or family could meet our new addition. But when we were leaving the hospital, we were also told to try and stay away from everyone and not let anybody into our home. And this really did put such a fear um, into us and it really put a spin on the excitement we thought we were going to feel um, as we were bringing Eve home. But we had to do what was right and keep our family safe. So a few people came to visit, but they were unable to meet us through the, meet um, Eve through the window. We felt so isolated and on edge at the time, as did everyone. Um, so Matthew decided it would have been a good idea to move in with his parents for a few weeks, as they lived in more rural areas. So this meant we could bring Eve out for walks without the fear of maybe meeting too many people. Um, so after for about a week, was it about after a week after Eve was born? Um, Matthew got onto the phone to his mum um, and after a few trips in the car um, he brought the essentials round to his mum and dad's house 
And this is now where we were going to spend the next couple of weeks. And looking back now, I am so glad we got to spend this time with them and make the memories that we got to. Um, we went for walks up and down the road, and Matthew was able to show his parents just how amazing he took on the role of daddy. He just stood on little Eve, and he loved holding her and watching her as she moved her little fingers and toes. She was so small that Matthew was able to put her head in the palm of his hand, and her back lay along his forearm, and he was able to carry her in just one hand. Um, and just to see the control he had of Eve and the love he had for her was amazing to see. Matthew took his two weeks paternity leave and extended it as a further week. Um, and life just really did seem perfect in the midst of everything else that was going on. We just loved watching our little Eve grow and become more alert each day. God had truly blessed us. With us now staying at Phyllis and Hartford's for a few weeks and the weather was amazing, Matthew decided he would bring around his motorbike, who he called Daisy, to the house. Um, he spent two days, maybe even three, washing his motorbike and his car that he called Sylvia until they looked like they had just come straight from the showroom. I just loved to watch him in his element, between his car, his motorbike, and now his precious little daughter, Eve. I had never been so happy. In the evenings, we had to FaceTime my family, as this was the only contact we had with them, because they lived in Antrim, and they couldn't travel due to the travel restrictions in place at the time. It was all so difficult, and all I wanted to do was go and show my mum and dad and my brothers, who had now been promoted to grandparents and uncles, our little baby that we had prayed for for so, so long. On Mother's Day, we met my mum and dad outdoors, which meant they got to see us as a family of three that day. But sadly, my wee brothers never got to. Soon Matthew started back to work, and this was Monday the 6th of April. With Matthew working in a food factory, he was known as a key worker. So while others um, were advised to stay at home, he had to continue working. He left at half seven after helping me feed and change Eve. Um, that day I could feel myself counting down the hours until he arrived home again. Um, and when he arrived home, he told me about everything and how it felt so weird having to work through COVID with the restrictions in place. But he was really, really glad to get back and see everyone again and tell them about his daughter. Um, we had dinner and we lay on the sofa that night with Eve in between us as she slept, watching a movie, and as we started to adapt to life with our new wee baby, we talked again about all the things that we could do when the COVID restrictions were lifted, and I even got carried away trying to get Matthew to book a holiday to Disneyland for Eve's first holiday, which I was told to wise up at that point as well. Um, Tuesday the 7th of April then arrived, and this is a day I'll never forget. Matthew again helped me feed and change Eve before he left for work. And he came in and he kissed Eve goodbye. And we said, I love you, as he left for work. I lay awake for a while and I seen the sun shining through a little gap in the curtains. And then I heard the noise of Matthew's bike starting up. This wasn't hard to hear as his car and his bike had such loud exhausts. And I think the bigger the better was his motto. And soon the noise faded into the distance. From the start, Tuesday had been a strange day. And I was missing my family more than ever, and I was just really struggling to lift my mood. I felt very emotional, and throughout the day, I just found myself crying a lot, and I really began to miss Matthew's company as he was at work. I had given the doctor a wee ring, and we had spoke for a bit. Um, and that was the same time they had then told me I had postnatal depression, and that COVID definitely wasn't playing a great part in it at all. 
In the afternoons, I had started little Bible studies while I slept, so I thought that the best way to try and lift my mood would be to connect with God. I suddenly felt such an urge to pray for Matthew as he was coming home that night in the bike, which is something that I really had never felt before. Um, but after I said uh, pray to God, I just continued with my Bible study and tried not to worry too much more about it. That evening, I was sitting with Phyllis and Eve in the living room as we waited on Matthew and Hartford getting home from the factory. I had texted Matthew earlier in the day to see what time he would be home, and he had told me that it would probably be about half six. Um, at this point, I was counting down the minutes. Um, half six arrived, and Matthew hadn't got home yet, but Harford had arrived home and was in the garage. Then five minutes passed, and we became a little on edge, but we never said anything to each other. Um, Phyllis asked me, did I ever worry about Matthew when he was out in the motorbike? And to be honest, I usually didn't, and I told her that at the time, but this night was different. Um, I usually always trusted that Matthew would arrive home safe, but they're just, I just didn't have the same peace that I usually did this, this night. But I didn't want to admit this to Phyllis or to myself at the time. As the time kept passing, I got up when I was walking Eve around the house just keeping my eyes on the gate, hoping to see or hear Matthew pulling up at any minute. I just had a, a really sick feeling inside my stomach that something wasn't right. And I just wanted to get in the car at the time and hop to the factory and see where he was. I began ringing Matthew's phone, although I knew that if he was on his way home, he wouldn't be able to answer. Um, but instead of even ringing, it just went straight to voicemail. <laughs> So then I checked for his phone location, which was something we had figured out so that I could tell when Matthew had left work to have his dinner ready. So I checked it, and it just said he was at the end of the road. But each time I refreshed it, it never moved. So I tried to tell myself that it just wasn't working, or that there was no signal, or that his battery had died. Then my phone rang, and at this time I had a couple of different people ringing me, but they were all neighbours from our house in Donacloney. Um, and the neighbour I spoke to rang to say that the police were standing at my front door asking for me. All of a sudden, I went from having a sick feeling in my stomach to feeling completely numb. I tried to redirect them from our home to Phyllis and Hartford's house. Meanwhile, Phyllis was on the Ford, phone to Ford, Matthew's brother, to see if Matthew had stopped in on his way home. She looked at me and I had to tell her what was going on. What seemed like hours later, the police drove through the gates and Ford got out of the back of the police car. Ford had drove to our house in Donacloney and had met the police as they were driving out. I remember standing with Eve in my arms, wrapped in a wee yellow blanket, and I went from feeling like I was living a perfect life to feeling like I was now standing a life that wasn't even my own. The policeman and the policewoman stepped out of the car and removed their hats, and it's at this point when you know it's something very serious. They asked for me as I was Matthew's next of kin, but that before they even said a word, I knew exactly what was going on, and I found myself praying to God that it was a mistake. I was hoping they were going to say that Matthew had been caught going too fast, or that he had been caught, ended up with a flat tire, or that maybe he had been involved in an incident, but only a few broken limbs, and it was maybe on his way to the hospital. Then the words were said out loud. Matthew had been involved in a road traffic collision on his motorbike at around half six, and as a result, had been killed. Our precious Matthew 
have been taken home to glory in a split second. And my life and all the plans that I had for the future had just crashed to the ground. I looked at Eve and I couldn't help but think how cruel it was. Yes, it was terrible that I had lost my husband, but for Eve to have lost her daddy, it was just cruel. I had seven years with Matthew and our little Eve only had three weeks. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Why me? Why now? What had I done wrong? I couldn't help but think that God was punishing me for something, but what could I have done so wrong that I deserved this? As family started arriving at the house, I felt like I was standing in a bubble. How was this now my life? Hearing everyone talking and listening about all the different things being said, like family liaison, and I didn't even know what that was before the 7th of April. Words like road traffic collision, death. Each one was like a stab to the heart. And now at the age of 23, I was being referred to as Matthew's widow. How was I ever supposed to accept this as my life? This wasn't what I wanted. I wasn't strong enough to be a mum on my own or to raise a child the way Matthew would want or God for that matter. I don't remember much of what happened the few days after from making crazy plans for the future like Disneyland to now making the heartbreaking and gut-wrenching decisions for a funeral. All while trying to figure out at the time how God could be this good God and how could any of this be good? How could he let something like this happen? especially at a time when I need Matthew the most, and even more so when Eve needed him. The next few weeks and even months were such a blur, and I felt like I was in a bubble looking in on someone else's life, but not realizing that it was my own. I was able to stand at the time reading the newspaper articles and Facebook articles about this situation that had happened and seeing my picture and feeling sorry for this person, but not realizing that that person was actually me. I couldn't read my Bible or even pray. I didn't know who I was anymore. I lost all sense of identity the day Matthew went to heaven, but I thank God for my family, friends, and for Matthew's family, who have helped me and Eve right up until this present day. My brothers, who I had always looked at as being so immature before, were now stepping in to the supporting role that I never imagined they could have. They, along with my dad, Ford and Hartford, have stepped into daddy figures for Eve. Um, who she absolutely adores, and it really shows she would have been a real daddy's girl. Um, Eve's cousins um, have been the best company for her, and they will have lots of memories of her daddy to share with her as she grows up, like how her crazy daddy used to do donuts um, in his sports car up and down the yard, and how his cars were so loud, and he was always laughing. My mum, Phyllis and Nicky, have been an amazing support, encouraging me all along the way, and helping me with all the tips of being a mummy. And that's only the beginning of the support that God has blessed me with to help me through each day. Time has been one of the toughest challenges to come with the grief, but the passing of time, as much as it is a day closer um, to being reunited with Matthew, is also a reminder of how long it has been. The horrible thoughts of when Eve was seven weeks old, I had spent more time as a single mum than I ever got to spend as a family of three with Matthew. Spending more wedding anniversaries as a widow than I ever got to spend as a wife. The birthdays, Christmas, and all the holidays that you thought were going to be filled with so much happiness are now tinged with so much sadness. We have a friend's wedding this week as well. 
Um, and we just know that Matthew would have loved to have been there. But in the midst of it all, I would never wish him away from the glory of God. And as much as he will miss out on maybe Eve's first day to school, um, I would never want God to send him back here. Because I know that what he has in heaven outweighs everything we could ever have here as much as we miss him so much. Life is so fragile and I now know that better than ever. It can all change in a split second and ours changed dramatically. My wee family was torn apart but in the midst of it all there are blessings and the biggest blessing we have is that Matthew was ready and his soul was right with God. In a split second, Matthew went from earth to unimaginable bliss in heaven. And there have been so many blessings and encouragements since Matthew went to be with the Lord. Souls have been saved, and when we've been at our lowest, God has sent signs, whether it's been through someone sending a text message, um, reading a Bible verse, or even the book Boy Matthew in Port Stewart. Some of them seem so small and maybe insignificant to others, but to us in our time of need, they have meant so much. Details right down to the name we chose for our baby, Eve. Uh, the meaning of Eve is the time before an event, or the biblical meaning of Eve is a source is source of life. And for um, all of us, Eve has really been our source of life um, that we have all needed, and she's been our little anchor that has kept us all together through this storm. She's my wee focus, and she keeps me on my toes, as you've seen earlier on, um, and she helps me through the darkest of days. It's definitely not what I ever would have planned for my life, but I have to put my full faith in God. His timing is perfect, and there is a reason behind all of this, even though I can't see it, and I may never find out the reason until I get to heaven. But as it says in John 13, verse 7, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. God has been by my side through the valley, and he has given me the strength each day to move forward. And I'm not standing here saying that every day is easy and there are still plenty of dark days ahead, but there is hope. He's given me the strength that I was able to return back to work in March 2021, which has been a good distraction for me and has given me the opportunity to speak to others and work as well. He has guided us each step of the way and in March past, even me moved into a little house in Antrim. Um, and it definitely wasn't easy and it was a hard transition but we really have been blessed and Eve is doing really well now and loves just having her own room and all the different wee bits. Um, and even the wee details down to Matthew having built Eve's furniture in her bedroom so we still feel like we have part of him with us all the time. Um, but as long as we have God as our main focus, he's going to guide us every step of the way. One thing I am thankful for to God um, is thankful that Matthew was ready. Knowing that each day is a day closer to seeing him again fills my heart. It gives me so much hope. I'm thankful that out of everyone, God chose me. He could have chosen anyone on the planet for Matthew, but I was blessed with knowing such an amazing and great person and getting to call him my husband. Um, and Eve got to call her him her daddy. The family I gained that day I married Matthew is nothing short of amazing. They've been such a blessing to have them. Um, to have myself and Eve surrounded by such godly people in our family has been a true blessing. I'm thankful for the friends that God has given to me who have ended up being more like family. My family and th friends through it all have been there encouraging Eve and me every step of the way. I'm thankful for Eve, who is now called Eve Maddie Jean after her daddy. I don't even know what really to say about her. She's just my wee sidekick that makes me laugh. 
even on the toughest and darkest days. She's her daddy's double in so many ways. She loves making people smile and laugh, and she loves her cars and motorbikes too. And she's the happiest little girl, and as you might find out later, she loves talking to everyone. God has given me the most special daughter in Eve, and he knew that she was what I needed to get me through this journey that he has put me on. I'm thankful for the prayers for the past two years. People from everywhere have been praying for us as a family, and it's been the prayers of God's people that has given us the strength to get through each day. I have to give God all the glory for carrying me through this, and I couldn't get through these days without him. Through our trials, he is our refuge and strength, and he promises to be with us wherever we go. And as it says in Esther 4, verse 14, for such a time as this, we are all put on earth for a purpose for God, to do a work for him. And there's nothing that we go through that God doesn't know about. God knew everything about us before we were born and before we even came to be. So when I think back to how Matthew carried Eve with such control in one hand, it often reminds me how God carries us. We may think he doesn't have under control and that he's forgot about us, but once we're a child of God, he will never let us go. I can't believe I've made it through over two years of this path that God has laid out for me. And this testimony hasn't been me standing here telling you of how strong a person I am, because without God, I truly am nothing. I can't do this on my own, and I don't know what my future holds. And I'm not guaranteed that we won't have more trials, but I need God to lead me every step of the way. And I pray that God uses my little family and our story for his glory. I pray that Eve would be saved early in life and that she will know her daddy's king and that others may realise that tomorrow is not promised to anyone, so we must be ready for eternity. Are you ready? Is your heart right with God? We aren't asked to be these perfect people in order to be saved, and the truth is, not one of us are. No one in this room is even close. God tells us all we have to do is believe. Acts 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We're not guaranteed to live to the, uh, to the old age of 70 and we can make all the plans for our lives, but we aren't promised that any of them are going to happen. Matthew left for work on the 7th of April expecting to come home to his family that evening, but they weren't the plans that God had. When Matthew texted me that afternoon to tell me he would be home around half six, we never ever thought it was going to be his eternal home in heaven. But as a family, we are so thankful that Matthew's heart was right with God and that we can say his, um, he is absent from the body and present, from, present with the Lord. We're not promised many years on this earth, and our life is like a vapour, but we can guarantee ourselves everlasting life with Christ if we believe and put our full trust in him. So don't leave tonight without making sure your heart is right with God. Thank you. just thank our sister Kira for sharing this word of testimony, talking through a little bit of her experience in relation to the death of her dear husband Matthew. Let me just wrap the service up tonight. I've already read to you from Psalm 20, 
Let me read the first verse again, the first two verses. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. I was in a home this week. I was very conscious that there was trouble. And I read this psalm and I was thinking of the words, the day of trouble. When I first heard those words, I was sitting three feet from the late pastor Willie Mullen. It was Coleraine Town Hall. The place was packed. It was an evening service. Well, it was an after church service. And his text was Nahum 1 and 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and knoweth them that trusteth in him. And this is what the preacher said. I was sitting three feet from him. I was just converted. He said, there's a day of trouble comes to us all. Young, old, and middle-aged. And that trouble, of course, can be multifaceted. It comes in different forms. You've heard Kira saying life is so fragile. It can all change in a second. And you can be in health and strength one minute. And you can be ravaged in your body the next minute. And being rushed into the hospital. And some of you, of course, know what I'm talking about. Trials and troubles are all part of life. There's a day of trouble. Whether it's physical, psychological, financial, maternal, paternal. It has many forms. And even trouble when death comes into the home and takes away a precious loved one. There's a day of trouble. But let me tell you something else. In the day of trouble, there has to be a day of turning. You see, many people, of course, are numbed by trouble. There's pain and woe and anguish. And we understand that. And I understand that. I wonder if I ask the question, have you ever felt deserted by God? Could you be honest enough to say, yes, because the psalmist David was there. Psalm 42, Psalm 43. He spoke to his own soul and asked the soul this, this question, why art thou disquieted within me? He was having a soliloquy with himself. Why do I feel like this? See, the psalmist, here he is in the day of trouble. And what is he told? The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Even though you don't feel like it, and even though you're numb with pain, and there's tears rolling down your face, the best advice that I could give you is this, turn to the Lord. Call on him. Call unto me in the day of trouble, he says, and I will answer thee. Where are you, Lord? He will answer. I wonder if you ever done that. The late Eileen Lowe, if I'd be allowed to mention her. The Lord knows I loved her sister in the Lord. And she used to always say this to me when I would round to visit her. Where can I go but to the Lord? That's actually a song. I don't know who sings it. Maybe Dr. Greenfield knows who. Where can I go but to the Lord? It's a song. Do it in Google or YouTube and you, you, you'll get the, the full lyrics of the song. Where can I go but to the Lord? You see, in the day of trouble, there has to be a turning to him, a calling out to him. And, and you know what you can call? Help, Lord. Help. You know, if somebody falls, help me. Or, or there's a house fire or there's some other problem, what do you do? You call for help. Well, in your day of trouble, whatever your trouble is, and I don't know what it is. It could be physical, it could be financial, it could be matrimonial, it could be anything. Whatever your trouble is, don't leave the Lord out. Don't forget about him. Turn to him. 
You're urged here. The psalmist is told, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Think of these words, send thee help from the sanctuary. What did he need? He needed help. And that was, that was the plea. Could I tell you something else as we finish before our sister Charlotte comes? There has to be a day of trusting. You see, it's all about the Lord here. When the Lord's brought into the picture, the Lord here, they read the Psalm 20, the Lord defend thee, the Lord send thee out, the Lord strengthen thee, the Lord remember thee, the Lord grant thee, the Lord fulfill all thy counsel. See, once you turn to him and call out for help, he is not only able, but he is willing. The psalmist discovered this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And even in the valley of the shadow, he had this assurance of the companionship of the Lord's presence with him, even in such a place, full of dread for many. And he says, yet will I fear no ill, for thou art beside me. Do you know the reality of that? If trouble comes to us all, where can you go? Well, where do people go? They go to the pub. They, they, they turn to the booze or, or they turn to drugs or they turn to the party scene and they turn to all sorts of, and they don't find help they only make themselves more miserable you turn to the Lord and put your trust in him the psalmist said there's some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord our God will you remember him tonight will you recognize your need of him will you come and repent of your sin and receive him to be your Lord and Savior if you're, you're not trusting in him for salvation. And if you are a believer and you feel deserted and you feel helpless, then you trust him even in the darkness, even in the difficulty. You trust in him. Trusting Jesus is all that matters. The Lord bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Kira, for this tremendous word that you've brought of personal testimony We'll continue to uphold you in prayer along with your dear family and especially your little daughter Eve.